Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz. My guest today is Corey Quinn. He's a former CEO of Scorpion and now a dedicated agency coach. He specializes in guiding agency founders to scale with vertical market specialization. At Scorpion, he played a pivotal role in growing the agency's revenue 8x in five years to a remarkable $150 million. He's also the author of a book we're going to talk about today, Anyone, Not Everyone, a comprehensive guide for agency founders looking to move beyond founder-led sales. So, Corey, welcome to the show. John, it is a uh, real treat to be here. So, so let's start with the title. I find myself always doing that because authors pick every word of a title so carefully. What's the big picture you're trying to kind of imply with this idea of anyone, not everyone? So the big promise or the transformation that, that I wrote the bill to, to really help found agency founders with is this idea of escaping founder-led sales, which is a challenge that many agency founders will go through in the sort of the life cycle of their, of their agency. And the way that I've personally seen this happen, both in the work that I do, as well as in, you know, dozens of other agency owners that I've, that I've interviewed is, that the one way to become sort of independent of sales and also help scale your agency is to get really clear on who you're targeting. Not only just get clear, but specialize in serving a specific vertical market. Right. And the, the funny thing is, is that, that title did not come day one. It was a much <laughs> different title. And it wasn't until I was working back and forth with my editor. And I was saying like they were, we were using the term like it's like something around you could do anything but not everything type of thing yeah, and that's where yeah. it sort of it, it was born from well the, the, if you don't nail this getting out of founder led sales i mean you'll never be able to sell the business i mean to me that's you know kind of job correct. number one is it correct yeah absolutely and and there's a saying that i love that i heard somewhere that, that i think is super interesting which is that you want to uh, you want to build a business that everyone wants to buy that that you don't want to sell, right? And uh, <laughs> that's a business that probably cr creates the freedoms in your life as a business owner that you want to that you want to have. So, a hundred percent. If a if an acquirer is looking is looking at your agency and you are instrumental to the growth of it, that is not as interesting of a value proposition versus otherwise. So I know you go very deep into this idea of you actually, I think I read it in your bio, vertical market specialization. How is that yeah. different from the sort of well-worn advice of pick a niche and, you know, get specialized? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a good question. You know, the idea of niching down is very common. There's a great saying, you know, the, the riches are in the niches. Right. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think the challenge is that it's today, it's a very vague idea of like, what does that mean exactly? Does that mean I'm targeting, you know, females between 35 and 50 who like donuts? Or am I targeting, you know, you know, flight attendants? Or what does that exactly mean? It's very vague. And so what I wanted to do is be much more literal and specific about when you want to scale an agency, one of the great ways to do it, it's not the only way, but one of the great ways to do it is to specialize in a vertical market. So in a way, Vertical specialization is a type of niching down. By the way, you can specialize in what you do, like SEO. That's another type of specialization, right? But I personally like to help agencies. I'm really sort of obsessed with this idea of taking a vertical market approach, yeah. and I really care about you know helping people get there. 
So one of the challenges I think is, I think a lot of people hear that advice and they're like, okay, where's the opportunity? Lawyers or dentists mm -hmm. or, you know, and having never worked with those, you know, markets, they just like charge into them. And sometimes it works. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they realize I hate working with dentists. No offense, Dennis, but you know, what do you, I mean, so like, how do you make sure that you're making the right sort of decision? Because it is a decision mm -hmm. to send your business down a track. A hundred percent, John. And there's, there are situations where it makes sense as a sort of a, an agency founder to start down that road on day one. But generally, that does not the way it works. Usually, it is a it is an agency owner who opens their doors and does business with their their family and their distant family yeah. and the local chamber of commerce, and they say yes to a lot of different businesses. And I think that you know makes a lot of sense as you're launching your new business. You want to have revenue. You want to kind of get it off the ground. But it is only until they they realize that they that they can't get beyond a certain point because they're serving a wide variety of clients. They're a jack of all trades and they lack expertise in any one area, which has a direct impact in their ability to do things like, you know, operationally scale, but also their positioning becomes very watered down. You know, yeah. the market doesn't see their true value for what they are. They compete on price and they lose deals to lesser firms. And that all of that results in, in slow and inconsistent sales. And all of those aspects bring the founder right back into sales. Because when the sales isn't happening, that, it's the founder's <laughs> responsibility at the end of the day, right? Yeah, yeah. So what are some of the key steps? If I've decided, maybe I've been out there, I've had some success. I have some ideas about markets that I like. I've been able to serve. Mm -hmm. I've been able to add value. What are some of the key steps to really kind of positioning myself as the go-to? Absolutely. So... In that case of that generalist who's been around for a while, you have a lot of sets and reps. It's important as you're going through this process of verticalizing your agency to look at your current book of business and see you know, who right. do I like working with? Who who do I, if I was going to fill my business with with my with dentists, as, an, as your example, what kind of life would I be enjoying at that point, right? Because that's the whole <laughs> That's the whole outcome you're trying to create is you want to fill your practice with uh, a whole bunch of this type of business. And so you want to first... First thing you want to do is you want to look at your experience. You want to look at, you know, like I said, who you like working with, what what problems are you really good at solving for them, and is, is are they willing to pay for those problems? That's number one. You want to look at your current business. Number two, you want to look at the market because you don't want to target an audience that is too small or maybe too big. If you're targeting a an, an audience that says that let's say that has a small budget inherently, then and you charge ten thousand dollars a month and they you know, on average, the, you know, the average business owner in that industry makes, you know, $100,000 a year, you're gonna have a hard time finding clients. And so there's a, there's an aspect of it where, you know, number one, you have to feel like you're good at it. And you want to do, you want to work with these folks. But then number two, that the market that you're going after is what I call, you have to validate it. You have to validate it's not only large enough, but that it is a good fit for the kind of business you want to create. I have people come to me all the time and say that I want to work with X and I was like, well, they don't spend money on marketing at all. <laughs> you know, that might be a, that might be a slog for you. Yeah. And the, the number I like to use as sort of a, a benchmark is when you're doing the market research, does the average business in this vertical make a million dollars a year? Mm -hmm. This yeah, is specifically yeah. in the context of marketing agencies. And the math is if they make a million dollars a year and they spend 10% of that revenue on marketing, per year, which is $100,000. You divide that by 12 months, that's $8,333 per month. And 
you think about marketing today, you have to have a website, SEO, mm -hmm. content, PPC, book, reputation right. management, you know, do a podcast. All of a sudden you're stretching that $8,000 pretty thin. And so depending on the type of service you have and the type of you know revenue you want to generate per client, you know, a million dollars is a good barometer to make sure that, that they actually do make enough money for you to justify targeting them. It's my pleasure to welcome a new sponsor to the podcast, our friends at Active Campaign. Active Campaign helps small teams power big businesses with a must-have platform for intelligent marketing automation. We've been using Active Campaign for years here at Duct Tape Marketing to power our subscription forms, email newsletters, and sales funnel drip campaigns. Active Campaign is that rare platform that's affordable, easy to use, and capable of handling even the most complex marketing automation needs. And they make it easy to switch. They provide every new customer with one-on-one -on -one personal training and free migrations from your current marketing automation or email marketing provider. You can try Active Campaign for free for 14 days, and there's no credit card required. Just visit ActiveCampaign.com slash duct tape. That's right. Duct tape marketing podcast listeners who sign up via that link will also receive 15% off an annual plan if purchased by March 31st, 2024. That's ActiveCampaign.com slash duct tape. Now, this offer is limited to new Active Campaign customers only. So what are you waiting for? Fuel your growth, boost revenue, and save precious time by upgrading to Active Campaign today. I work with, we work, have worked for years with various agents or various industries. And, you know, certain mm. industries, certain verticals are just getting hammered by people that have taken this approach, right? Remodeling contractors, for example. I mean, yeah. you know, get 10 pitches a day from somebody that says they're an expert in their industry. You have a, an outbound yeah. approach that uses gifting as a kind of a unique approach yeah. to really stand out, right? Because they get the 10 emails, like, how are you different? Yeah. Talk sure. about that approach. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the prerequisite is number one, you have a vertical market that you specialize in, that you position your agency around. And then what you do is you want to, and this is based on my direct experience of working at an agency where we sent literally millions of dollars of cookies to attorneys. <laughs> Another one of these, these markets that is oversaturated, you could argue. Yeah, yeah. But the way that, the, that I teach my clients, what you do is, number one, you build up a 20% lead list. And what I mean by that is out of all the attorneys in the US, let's say you're targeting personal injury attorneys, you want to take that list and then you want to qualify it to identify what's the top 20% of this list that if I can get them on the phone, then I have a high, you know, very highly high likelihood that they're going to be a great fit. They're going to want to work with us. And so you, you create that list that becomes your lead list for this gift based outbound. The next thing you want to do is you want to identify a gift that would be unique. It would be striking and it would leave a positive impression. You don't want to send like a ballpoint pen with your logo on it because that's too easy to ignore. And as a result of this 20% list, it's not very much of a sort of a, a spray and pray approach. It's much more of a quality over quantity. I've done things, everything from sending gourmet cookies to sending mm -hmm. you know alcohol to attorneys to sending flowers to dentist office, you name it, video brochures. We've sent books, we've written books. Let me, set, let me share with you the impact of this. 
when we sent cookies to attorneys, this is again, an industry where there are gatekeepers whose primary job is to prevent me from getting in touch, talking to the attorney, right? So that's their job is to like weed me out, screen me out. And so what we would do is we would send the cookies into the law firm. And these are again, not generic cookies. These are amazing, like mouthwatering cookies. They would be put in a FedEx box, sent to the law firm, addressed to the lead attorney. Of course, it would go right past the mail room because it's a FedEx box. It would go right to the attorney's desk. It would be sitting there. The attorney would open it up, be this amazing presentation of cookies, which would end up in the break room. And then people would be eating these cookies and, and everyone's saying, you know, gosh, who brought these amazing cookies? And it was like, oh, this company Scorpion. And everyone's like, well, who's Scorpion? And like, there's this buzz all of a sudden about this company that sent this amazing gift. By the time the salesperson called, which was right after the gift arrived, the gatekeeper would, you know, the energy would be shifted from, you know, who are you and who do you want to talk to, to, oh, you're from Scorpion. Let me put you through. He wants to talk to you. So right? this is maybe, this is maybe a little in the weeds, but you know, your research piece, like the list, you know, targeting the top 20, mm-hmm. do you have some favorite kind of go-to, you know, list sources or platforms yeah. or tools? Bring up a really great point, which is that the list is typically thought of as a check the box, go to Apollo or go to Zoom right, Info right. and download a list or just use their interface. And The list is the strategy, meaning you have to um, spend some additional time on the list than you otherwise wouldn't. And so what I recommend doing, what I teach people to do is to source a list from these third-party list vendors like a Zoom Info or Apollo, download leads into your, you know, into your, own software, like, you know, Excel or Google Sheets. And then you want to qualify those leads even further from what they gave you. You want to look for things like, what are some objective signals that I could see that would indicate that these businesses can afford my services, Mm -hmm. that they actually have the pain point that I solve, you know, and you need to kind of go through these on a very manual basis. Unfortunately, I know we all like to go super fast, but if you're planning on sending cookies, and by the way, it's not just sending one gift, it's sending gifts for three years. You're not just, it's not a one and done. It's an ongoing event. Every quarter you send them a gift. So that's even more reason why you want to just slow way down on the list, on list build. So that's kind of how I do it. Another place where you can find a high quality list is you know, every vertical market has associations. They have conferences. Right. And as you begin to target these folks, you'll be going to their the, these events and you'll begin to build lists from those those experiences where you tend to get really high quality leads from. You know, and I tell a lot of people, there are a lot of agencies out there, like 10 more clients, good clients like that would move the needle significantly, right? But they're yes. trying to a list of 5,000, you know, as opposed to like yes. that's list of 100, let's spend 500 bucks on each of them, you know, as opposed right. to $5 on, you know, spray and pray approach. approach. And that focus. Yeah. And I think the focus <laughs> is kind of the thing that helps you to stand out. The fact that you are sending a thoughtful gift, it could be a personalized gift to them. As I said, like, it's not just once they may ghost you on the first gift and that's okay. But then the next quarter comes, you send them a second one and the next quarter comes, you send them another one. Eventually you've built up all this reciprocity Yeah, <laughs> and they're going to yeah. at some point, right? Say, okay, I got to talk to John over there at duct tape marketing because clearly they want to talk to us and you know, they're being very, they're being very persistent in a meaningful way. And you know, we also know that people, every attorney, every dentist, they're going to shop for a new agency once every three years. Let's just call it that. 
Mm-hmm. And that's why the time horizon behind this strategy yeah, is okay. it's a three-year program. By the time that every single person on your list has been gifted over a three-year period, all of them had an opportunity to go back to market and you want to be on that list. Yeah. So every industry has kind of key people. Everybody knows maybe they're authors, they're big consultants, Mm. they're advisors or accountants or something in the industry. You know, how, first off, how important is it to kind of get into some relationships with those folks? And and then second part of how do you do Mm -hmm. it? Yeah. Great question. So the part of the strategy, once you become a vertical market specialist, the benefit of targeting a vertical or one of the unique benefits is like every vertical is kind of like a village, right? And everyone kind of knows everybody else. There's definitely like a, you know, a, a, a gossip train and so on and so forth. And in any one of these type of social circles of a vertical, there are going to be people that Malcolm Gladwell calls mavens. And these mavens are people that everyone else looks to, to to make a decision on who to hire, right? And so as a vertical market specialist, as you're trying to build your reputation and visibility in that market, it makes sense to try and build a direct relationship with these mavens versus just going out to market and talking to anyone. I'll give you an example. One of my clients was focused on the on the chain restaurant industry. They were, they, you know, the industry of, of, of restaurants that had multiple chains. And there was a maven in that industry. He is the editor of a magazine called QSR. And he is prolific on LinkedIn. And he's at the keynoting the state, you know, the conferences at the state at the on the stages and whatnot. He's everywhere. Well, as a result of identifying this person as really a maven that people look to as a tastemaker, we want to. We made a, a decision to try and find ways, genuine ways, to build a relationship with that person. Of course, we did that over time, and that resulted in a lot of opportunities for my client. That's number one, and then number two is what I call influential brands. And influential brands are effectively uh, the same as a maven, but it is a sort of a a big brand in that vertical that everyone else looks to. If it's good enough, if you're, if this company's, you know, going to hire this agency, well, they're probably good enough for us. Right. And I saw this firsthand at my last company when we were getting into the franchise world, multi-location businesses, and we landed the biggest, the most well-respected multi-location franchise business in the industry as our, really our first client it was through a relationship. And as a result of that, that led to a lot of really, almost frictionless introductions in the franchise space, which ended up being a a big uh, growth engine for us. You know, it's funny over the years, I've targeted uh, manufacturers that have distribution networks. And the same thing is, you know, bring them something, build a relationship, provide value. And they have a very, they're they're very motivated to help their distributors. And so all of a sudden it's like, you're the person. And it, it's like, as you mentioned, it's a layup to get the business because, you know, in some cases they even had uh, co-op dollars to give them. Yes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And the thing that, the the reason why I think these things are important is you you need to focus first. You, once you get clear on who you're targeting, marketing becomes a whole lot easier. You know, which keywords to target, which conferences to go to, what associations to get involved in, you know, all these things become super clear. It's those agencies that haven't made this decision to to sort of narrow their focus on this vertical market that that are challenged with sort of this, like things I said, like, you know, the watered down positioning, the, the ineffective marketing. So is it safe to say once you get good at one market, you can actually repeat this approach or should you just stay narrow? 
It, it completely depends on the founder and their ambitions. Yeah. I'll give you an example. The last agency I worked with, where we ran this play, we started off with attorneys and then it was home services and then franchise. Mm -hmm. And I think the way that uh, I, I coach uh, agencies on how to approach this is number one, you want to get to about 3% of the total addressable market. So if there are a thousand, you know, businesses in this market, once you get to 30, that's a signal that you probably have enough momentum in that vertical that you as the founder can lift your head and go find another adjacent vertical. Mm -hmm. What I mean by adjacent is it's a business that has the same problem that you're already solving, or it's a vertical right. that has the same problem, but, but is, but not well served. So the example, my last company was attorneys, local service businesses, mm -hmm. and then home services, local service businesses, both depended on Google for new leads, both needed a great website, reputation management, all of those things. That's what I mean by adjacent. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Well, Corey, it was great having you stop by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. Is there some place you yeah. want to invite people to connect with you and obviously find a copy of anyone, not everyone? Gosh, John, I uh, appreciate that. So the, the best place to get plugged into more of this type of content is my book, which is called, as you mentioned, Anyone, Not Everyone. I have the website, anyonenoteveryone.com, where you can go and learn more about the book. So I, I invite you to go there. Awesome. Well, again, appreciate you taking a few moments and hopefully we'll run into you one of these days out there on the road. Mm -hmm.